Guys, mental health is something that Dan and I are extremely passionate about, which is why it excites us to say that we are partnering with BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode and our podcast. BetterHelp is the world's leading therapy service and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then, you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professional and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash BacksideGroundBalls. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash BacksideGroundBalls. By Riverside. Welcome back to episode 119 of the Backside Ground Balls podcast. Super excited to be back here on the pod. My name is Trevor Powers, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Dan Galati. Dan, we just had a nice conversation about the Sunday scaries. We're coming to you here on a Sunday night. How are we we feeling as we kick off the ALCS? First pitch is in, what, two minutes, and we're kicking off right now, going toe-to-toe, competing with Fox for those clicks. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm feeling good. Uh, Recording helps the Sunday scaries, and uh, so does playoff baseball. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And obviously we did a lot of division series recap in the last episode, had a lot of big picture conversation about the teams that were no longer in the playoffs and obviously were eliminated at this point in time. So let's have a little fun. Let's talk about the teams that are still winning, still playing meaningful baseball at this time of the year. And we're going to preview the championship series for those that might be living under the rock or, or might not care about baseball and only care about listening to Dan and I talk like our parents and, and probably some uh, aunts and uncles out there. The Houston Astros taking on the AL West foe in the Texas Rangers. And then on the other side of the bracket in the National League, the Philadelphia Phillies taking on the upstart and young Arizona Diamondbacks. So obviously, Dan, I mean, there's going to be a lot of thoughts that we're going to come across, but big picture thoughts where we're sitting with these four teams left. What's kind of the storyline that you're looking at as we progress in from Sunday night in game one in the ALCS into this week where the games start playing every day? I think the the thing that I keep you know saying to people that I talk to and, and kind of telling myself is that for all the belly aching that was going on about the, the formatting of this and how unfair it was that we lost the top five record teams, the four teams left, this is going to be awesome. Both these series are going to be, I think, outstanding. Both these series have a ton of good players. You're getting Justin Verlander versus Jordan Montgomery, who's been outstanding through the first two rounds in game one of the CS. You'll get Framber and Ivaldi. 
Game three, you're going to probably see Christian Javier, who's a playoff hero for the Astros, who just basically doesn't give up hits, let alone runs as a starting pitcher for the Astros in game three. Versus the return of Max Scherzer, like those first three games are going to be outstanding. The first two games in Philly, um, in the NLCS side of things, you're going to get Wheeler and Gallon, and then you're going to get Nola and Merrill Kelly. And that's before we even get to – that's just the starting pitchers in these series. Like these series are awesome. You, uh, Houston and Texas, they had some – you know, I know Houston won the uh, season series 9-4, but they had some really tight games and some emotions and some dugout clearing. So like – this is fantastic. I mean, the the drama, I think you're going to see really good baseball. You're seeing teams that are obviously all playing really well or they wouldn't be here at this point um, right now. I, I Like, yeah, the, the top five teams didn't make it with the best record this season. Boo-hoo, let's change the format. We're going to be bitter fans. But I don't know how you complain when, when these are the two series you're looking at. I couldn't be more excited. Yeah, I think a lot of the juice is going to be on that American League series. Um, not that I think that the National League series is going to be bad baseball or or either team is a lock to, to run the uh, table and guarantee, but just considering the fact of the matter that each are obviously division foes, rivals, they've had benches clearing problems over the last couple of years, the way this uh, division unfolded with the tight races and obviously the the high leverage games that they played down the stretch. I saw somebody, I mean, I know who it is on Twitter, but I'm not even going to give them the time of day, say that um, the Astros have won seven of the eight last eight meetings this year and it's going to be a bloodbath and all this stuff like that. Like I, I find that hard to believe um, at this point in time. And and I just think that the Texas Rangers are going to show up. They're going to be ready to play. They're a really good team. I mean, that's not to mention the fact that they're getting a healthy Max Scherzer, sorry, a 70% healthy Max Scherzer, 80% healthy Max Scherzer. But a lot of what Max Scherzer brings to the table is more mentality than anything else. And if he gets on that mound and, and he starts feeling the moment and start feeling a good, good and getting adrenaline running through that body, he might feel like he, he's as fresh as anything. So it'll be a lot of fun to see how this unfolds. And, and I think that the big storyline is that Max Scherzer scenario. When are we going to see Max Scherzer? What's it going to look like when he comes back? He hasn't exactly been a playoff hero per se. Um, he seems to take a lot of his brunt of his work during the regular season, even dating back with the Nationals, um, you know, because he'd go post for 200, 220 innings. Then he went to the Dodgers, did the same thing, 200, 220 innings, and then kind of had the back back flare up some shoulder injuries and then obviously the Mets Mets fans will remind you every time they they get a chance that he didn't show up in their biggest game I want to see Max Scherzer be the ace that he's capable of being I think he deserves the opportunity to compete for another World Series I think that's why he signed in New York hoping that that was going to be an opportunity for him now he's in Texas he's got obviously a year and a half left and of control this might be the last and best shot that he's got. I would love to see him go out there, compete, pitch a huge game, and then and maybe even later in the series come out of the pen. We don't know when he's going to come out, um, but I think that it's going to be a lot of fun to see when Max Scherzer shows up and what Max Scherzer we get at that point in time when he does come out to pitch against this Houston Astros team. Corey Seager already has a hit. <laughs> Shocker. We'll get we'll get into that when we talk about are, the predictions. Are we worried about uh Verlander Verlander's thrown uh thrown one one fastball to Simeon? Uh first pitch of the game was ninety three, then he uncorked a couple eighty nine mile an hour sliders. It was weird. Anyway, um yeah, I think you nailed it. I know Scherzer hasn't been Yeah, the playoff thing is so weird because 
I have a hard time just pegging someone as a playoff choker. I really do. Because, like, you're not just that. Like, he he's so competitive. He's so good. He's won so many Cy Youngs. Like, you can't tell me that Max Scherzer isn't a competitor. Like, yeah. I, you can't tell me that he, he folds in the big moments. Like, I think he's had some unfortunate, I don't know if luck or just some unfortunate circumstances that have kind of hurt him in uh, the postseason. And... But this is a Cy Young winner. This is a perennial Cy Young winner. This is a guy that's great. So I'm I'm super excited that he's going to get this chance again. And 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 who knows? Maybe because it's been a weird year for him. Maybe, you know, maybe pitching 200 innings and 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 everything he used to do in those other years. I don't know. Maybe this will somehow give him a different mindset. And and obviously he's not fresher because he's been dealing with an injury. But maybe there just aren't some of the the, the scar tissue. I don't know how to put it. But you know. We'll never, you never know, and and here he is in, in a different uniform too, so that could also help things. And it's, it's different than being the ace. They got through two rounds without him, so I think the pressure's kind of off of him now. If they're down two nothing, maybe there's a little more pressure, but the pressure's kind of off of, off of him as we sit here. So it's exciting. And whoever you're referring to on Twitter, I, I missed that tweet. Thankfully, um, didn't watch the Braves and Phillies the last two years. Like I don't know, like the. The Braves have won the season series against the Phillies two years in a row, and then the Phillies have beaten them in the playoffs. So, like, I don't, you can't just assume that the, it's just such a stupid thing to say. Like, again, it's like assuming these aren't like the Rangers aren't professional athletes or horny. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's like, that's oh, more of okay. why it frustrated me was just because of the fact of the matter that, like, it's just unnecessary. Like, why? Yeah, you know, at that point in time, why? Um, but that's besides the point of of probably just a sour Mets fan that's that's probably trying to take doesn't want Texas to win because of probably Max Scherzer probably has something to do with it. They're, they're pretty what about petty. Verlander? Um, yeah, but he he was good. You know, he didn't pit. He didn't not show okay. up in big games like like Max Scherzer did last year. <laughs> but let me let me ask you this, Dan, as we as we head over to the National League side, and and there were some. Talking points coming out of Rob Thompson's press conference. Are are we going to see Reese Hoskins, and in what capacity are, do you think we're going to see him at? So here's the thing on on this. It's so hard. One, it's so hard to know. Um, obviously, Schwarber did it, um, but the circumstances to me were a little bit different when Schwarber did it. Reese Hoskins can't play the field yet, and the guy that's playing his position is. It's not like Derek Hall has been playing first base in his stead, so you could even throw Reese Hoskins out there. It's been Bryce Harper, okay? You're not taking Bryce Harper out of the lineup. Hoskins can't do it anyway, so fine. So he's not playing first base. You can't put Reese Hoskins at DH because Kyle Schwarber's your DH, and defensively, Schwarber can't do it anymore out in the outfield. So it's so weird to me. Like I know Phillies fans and and people are excited about the prospect of this guy who had huge playoff moments last year coming back and rescuing the field. And I don't know if it's rescuing, but coming back and, and recreating some of those huge moments in the playoffs from a year ago, it just doesn't make sense. One, I don't know if it's possible because again, I know he's been taking live at bats, but is he all the way back? Like it's very different when you're in a controlled live at bats. Like if Reese Hoskins fouls the ball, like, you know what I mean? Like if he fouls the ball off and doesn't feel good, he can go sit down for five minutes and we'll get him back up in five more minutes. You know what I mean? It down in Clearwater. In the playoffs, like, you, you can't do that. Like you have to be on full go. The pressure's different. Your body reacts differently in those situations. So who knows if he's even healthy enough to do it. And then again, they don't really have a position for him. So if they are going to add him to the playoff roster, now they haven't used Jake Cave's been on the playoff roster the first two rounds. They haven't used him once. Um, 
So you could replace him and, and you could see him in a pinch hit role. But like, man, like I just don't see how you're putting him or your team in a good position like to win there. The one guy that you'd probably pinch hit him for would be Johan Rojas in a situation. Now you're losing a little bit of defense. Pache is still a great defender who you would put out there after Hoskins pinch hits. But like it just doesn't make sense to me. And now you're asking him to do it late in the game in a big situation when he hasn't seen a big league pitch all year. Like, you know what I mean? Like, are you following me on that? Like, that doesn't, like, no, none of that. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not with you. I'm not with you at all. Why is he taking live at bats then? Yeah, but I'm saying, does it make sense to do that? Yes, because would to you rather have Johan? Yeah, Johan Rojas up at the bat at, you know, whatever he can bring with the stick in the bottom of the eighth with the runner on third, down by two, or no, I guess down by one. Or would you rather have Reese Hoskins, who hasn't seen a big league pitch in a while? I'm, I'm going with Reese Hoskins. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess, and yeah, then good point. stick Pache I mean, out in center field and, and just deal with the reaper, the shorter bench then. Um, I think I, would, I, I just can't imagine he'd be taking live at bats right now if he wasn't fully intending to to make a return in some capacity. And and I, I just think while he has no position, I I think that's the biggest thing is understanding that with the with the limited availability that Kyle Schwarber has, Reese Hoskins is there for exactly the scenario we just presented. Johan Rojas right. is up, you know, Brandon Marsh against the tough lefty, whatever, lefty, you know, whatever yeah. whatever scenario we we cross late in game, he's up there to get one good swing at a bat or, or get on base. And even then you pinch run him, Christian Pache, he doesn't have to run, um, you know, in that element because that, that person's probably going out to the outfield anyway. So is that worth the squeeze just in case, just with full knowledge that now you have two guys on your bench, one including your DH that physically cannot play the field. I mean, Schwarber can play the field, not a playoff game, right? Like there's a reason he hasn't touched the field this month of October. Um, So understanding that that's solely the reason why he's there, I'd want him to take that at bat, but is that something they're willing to give up in terms of um, not being able to have a guy that, you know, you can, you can get in there in the field and and trust that he's going to be good and not shrink your bench completely. Now there's some weird situations that come up in the playoffs. Obviously, you have to kind of be prepared for everything. If you play an 18 inning game, do you need Jay Cave and his positional flexibility? The fact that he's played some first base this year, he's played outfield, and you might need to use him off the bench. Because again, the the spot he takes is Jay Cave in my mind. You also don't have a lefty yeah. off the bench then, other than your backup catcher who isn't a you know Garrett Stubbs doesn't hit much because Cave and Stubbs haven't touched the field yet in the your postseason. They play every roster. day though. That's true. No, I'm just saying, like, yeah. you don't, it, 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 like you're saying, it shortens your bench now because yeah, it's, that it, guy on the bench can do one thing and one thing only. Can, he can't play defense. He can't. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming they would pinch run for him right away. If he comes up and smokes a double, yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah, they're yeah. letting him run the bases. No, no. So it's just like, whereas Schwarber could DH and start the whole game, though, I, I mean, in the World Series, maybe he gets healthier. I don't know. He's been. It's not like he's not running sprints. He did some base running, so maybe they would even let him base run. It's also kind of messed up that he's going to be a free agent this year. So if he gets hurt again, it's no, not necessarily and that the shows Phillies. How much, like again, like, that's, that's kind the thing, of scumbaggy, like, but like it's not the Phillies' problem. Like no, it's not like they're losing him for all of next Hoskins year. Has complete decision making control like he he's obviously wants to be back and wants to be a part of this and i guess the next thing would be like and and maybe we're looking too much into this but like is harper ready to play outfield in a scenario like 17th and like i know reese can't play first but like 
you know, like something weird happens and, and you have to know. move Harper. Well, like I, he's, think, I would assume I think he's good enough to before, throw out there, right? If you got into that situation, one, Schwarber would go to the outfield. That would be first. They would just they would uh, just yeah. wear it. Two, I think Harper, if you could potentially move Harper out to the outfield, I think you would move. This is crazy. I, if this happens, <laughs> I'm going to be beside myself. But I think the move could potentially even before then be um, bomb to first and Mundo mm. Sosa to third. Mm. Who's another guy okay. on the bench that they haven't used yet? Yeah, and he would he would stay because he has some positional flexibility. So I would so, assume, right? Yeah, yeah. He, it's Jake Cave. Jake Cave is the spot yeah. because again, you don't really see there isn't really a role for Jake Cave because it's like he's not a defensive replacement like Pache is. Not yeah. the, the fourth outfielder. And he's a left-handed bat. Starts. That's it. That's he's all a he's there bat. for. He's a left-handed bat, and there hasn't been a like. The situation we were just talking about for Hoskins, Johan Rojas up, down by one, two runners on in the eighth inning, would have been Jake Cave with a righty on the mound in this postseason, <laughs> I think, as a pinch hitter. Sure, but he has more pop and probably a better at bat than Rojas, yeah. and then you go to Pache, right? Yeah, 100%. That, that, that's all he was there for. So I guess as we talk this through, then yeah, why not just have Reese Hoskins be that guy? Because that's all Cave was going to be there for. Yeah, so that's I mean, I think it makes it makes it makes a lot of sense for them. Like I said, if if he's taking these at bats right now, there's obviously an intent to, sure. to get him back, and he's running, he's doing all these things. Like he's he's intending, if if not for the CS for the World Series, like World Series Reese Hoskins sure. is going to be assuming the Phillies take care of business and win and and take down the Diamondbacks. He's going He'd to be, be on, on an roster. active roster at some point through the next, you know, two, three weeks of this season. And as we kind of unfold towards, towards the end of the year. So that, that is a, a good um, thought process to think about, but obviously with these big games coming up and a lot of baseball, a lot of good football going on, NFL, uh, college football across the country. I don't know if they sell high school tickets on SeatGeek. That'd be pretty cool if they did maybe in the bigger States like Texas and, and Georgia and the States where it's important, but Let's take a moment here to thank our sponsors at SeatGeek. SeatGeek is a mobile ticketing app that allows users to buy and sell tickets to sports games, concerts, and other live events. SeatGeek would like to give our listeners $20 off their first purchase. All you have to do is head over to SeatGeek.com and use our promo code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL to get $20 off your first purchase. That's SeatGeek.com slash and use our promo code backside ground ball to get $20 off your first purchase. So Dan, we're going to get right into it. You and I talked off air. We're, we're getting less and less series. So this should be quicker and quicker. And, and as we, as the Sunday night dawns on us, we, we kind of want to get in bed and, and get ready for the work week this week. Let's get into predictions. Let's start in the national league with the series we were just talking about with the Philadelphia Phillies taking on the diamondbacks. As you kind of sit and, and wrap your head around what this series might look like and, and what the X factors are, what are kind of the big storylines and X factors that kind of think you think could swing this series? Uh, we're now into a longer series, and I think the Phillies have more pitching depth than the Diamondbacks. And um, both these lineups are are tremendous. That's why they're both in the, in the league championship series. Um, obviously, the Phillies have more star power, but – that, that Arizona Diamondback is uh, Diamondbacks lineup is super athletic. They have thump. They have guys who run. They continue to run. Um, they've played one less game. You know, both these teams have shown off on the bases, athleticism. The Phillies have nine stolen bases through uh, 
six games. The Diamondbacks have seven stolen bases through five playoff games. So that's going to be somewhat similar, I believe, um, as far as that goes. And the Diamondbacks have thump. Now, it isn't the star power in the names and probably not as much thump as the Phillies do. Um, you know, but guys like Cattell Marte and Christian Walker and Gabby Romano has been absolutely unbelievable. And like Corbin Carroll, they, those guys can leave the yard and challenge the wall, just like the Phillies have, you know, six guys that can do it as well. So I think it's going to come down to the Phillies pitching depth, I think, is one of the biggest things that can swing this series. One, you know, we saw what they did to the Braves. They have the best ERA of any team so far in the postseason. Their starting pitchers are pitching to like a 1-2. On as a whole, they're pitching to like a 1-6. Uh, I think their bullpen's only given up the one, the two earned runs, which we saw in Atlanta in game two. Those are the only runs the Phillies bullpens have given up, period. Um, So it's like – that could swing this series because, you know, we talked on Friday how good Rangers – like it's time to say it's not, you know, the Rangers take an early lead here, one nothing on the Astros. Sorry, I'll, I'll try not to do this all night. But um, Verlander's throwing 93-94. I, I don't know if we should be concerned. Anyway, um, you know, the, the – I lost my train of thought. Ranger Suarez is, is – He's up there with Wheeler and Nola. Like, he's pitched that well in the postseason. 23 and a third innings, two earned runs in his postseason career. Like, he's really good. They have three really good starting pitchers that you can get at least, at least two times through the order you feel comfortable doing it. The Diamondbacks don't have that. You have Zach Allen, who's unbelievable, who's an ace. He can go toe-to-toe with Wheeler. Merrill Kelly's been absolutely tremendous this year. The stuff you you worry about a little bit because I don't think his stuff is exceptional. But, look, he's a veteran. He's battle-tested. He's had a great playoff so far. I know Brandon Fott went three and a third the other night scoreless. I'm not buying into Brandon Fott. Like, I'm sorry. He had a six ERA in, in, in the regular season. He looked shaky in Milwaukee and had to escape a bunch of traffic. I know that starting in the DS, that's that you're going to hope that he can continue that momentum. But against the Phillies lineup that's swinging the bats the way they're swinging the bats, you're going to probably need to stretch your bullpen in that game. And then you're going to have to turn around in game four. And I think it's probably going to have to be Ryan Nelson would be my guess who they'll go with. Like I, it, The Phillies pitching depth to me is where the biggest advantage of any of these series is compared to the Diamondbacks. Yeah, I mean, it's it's what we've talked about the whole playoffs. Like, it's a marathon regular season. It's especially a sprint wild card. It's a sprint division series. And obviously, it's it's more like the 800, not the 400, right? Right. The season is a, a full marathon. The wild card's a 100-meter. The DS is a 400-meter. And then the, the seven-game series, CS, becomes a longer track, right? You need people to step up. You need depth. The Diamondbacks bullpen has been fantastic. Tori Lovello has absolutely deployed those pieces the right way. But that starting pitching is just like, like you said, like even Merrill, Cal- like Aaron Nola, like you were talking about the pitching matchups, and it's like Aaron Nola versus. Merrill Kelly. And and while Merrill Kelly's very good and he's been very good and he's pitched big games and, and he's looked very crisp in those big games, it's just like that isn't what you draw up when you think of a World Series contender, right? No. Look across the league. Look at the ALCS. Look at the guys that the Astros are deploying. Look at the guys that the Rangers are deploying. I mean, shoot, the Phillies get to pull out Taiwan Walker or Christopher Sanchez in game four. They haven't even pitched these playoffs. I'm not saying I'd take both of them or either of them over a – um, Merrill Kelly, but you can make an argument, right? Taiwan Walker got kind of well, paid I would this offseason. You would definitely take both of them over Brandon Fott and Ryan Nelson. 100, and that's that's what I'm saying. And 
I, I guess my biggest storyline is, is can the Diamondbacks get this to six games? Like that is genuinely my storyline at this point in time is, is does this get wrapped up in four or five? And, and I might be short sighted and, and might, you know, might be because of my early bedtime that I didn't watch this team absolutely throttle. Trust me, I'm not giving, taking anything away from what the Diamondbacks did to the Dodgers. That is a really good lineup that can hit a lot of home runs. I'm a, as big of a fan of Christian Walker's as any. Corbin Carroll, some people call me a hater, but he's still a really good player. Cattell Marte, like all of these guys are really, really, really good players. But Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, Rangers Juarez, who have been there, are going to bring a different element than what the Dodgers were able to provide. And I know Clayton Kershaw is the name value, but Bobby Miller was pitching in his first big game of his life. And then Lance Lynn was throwing batting practice since the, the calendar flipped to 2023. So it's not one of those scenarios where you can sit there and hang your hat on the fact that they're going to just absolutely come out here and score. We, we've seen what Zach Wheeler has been able to do. And the Phillies have proven that they can can score and beat guys like Spencer Strider who have elite elite of the elite stuff and, and Zach Gallen's really good and he could go out and shove six shutout but you have to continually bring your A stuff every inning this lineup doesn't stop this pitching staff doesn't stop and then not to mention the fact that their stuff across the board as a bullpen is some of the best in the league because they average 98 miles per hour out of that pen right and it might not all look the same right not all fastballs are created equal but when you can combine all that that stuff at 98 miles per hour, you're going to have a lot of success. So, you know, again, maybe I'm being short-sighted. Maybe I'm not giving them enough credit, but this feels a lot like the Baltimore Orioles going into the DS that it's like, Hey, fun story. Enjoy the ride while you got it. I love your skipper. I love your future. You're still a couple pieces away and the Phillies are just here. They're rolling. You said it before the last series that felt like the world series in the Braves and Phillies. And I'm, I'm just thinking that I have a hard time. imagining that the Diamondbacks can take down the Phillies. Yeah, the Diamondbacks feel a lot like last year's Phillies team. Um, that's the only – and like some sort of it, – it feel, yeah, it feels like they're overmatched in this series for sure. It felt like that a little bit in the DS. The Dodgers didn't play well. The Phillies have played well for six games, and really they could have swept the Braves. They gave away game two. They were up 4 nothing, and they, you know, the, the Braves came to life. And, I mean, Nick Castellanos hits that ball that ends game two – couple feet further and they have the lead in the ninth inning and and that's the other thing is like the diamondbacks can punch you but the phillies take a punch better than a lot of teams i mean they they come right back and they're not going anywhere and they do have the best home field advantage in the sport and the fact that they have home field advantage over arizona that's huge like the diamondbacks would have to try and get a split they like they have to get a split in Philly. If they don't get a split in Philly, if they're going back to Arizona 2-0, I think it's as good as over. Um, and I don't mean to be burying Arizona. I don't want to feel like that. It just feels like the, the potential for them to do this is they have to ride the momentum that they have. They have to come out and and like even if they get a couple run lead, like it's not enough. It's one of those things where like you they can't really feel comfortable. Even if they go out and get two off wheeler in the first inning, like that's not enough. Like you're going to have to keep going and going. And, and, and like you said, then the Phillies are going to continue to deploy, deploy arms that are going to throw a heavy velocity and have really, really good stuff. And there's a lot of them that are going to continue just one after another. Rob Thompson's going to march him out there. And he seems to always have a good feel for when to, to pull the trigger. And he's not scared to. And so for Arizona, it's like, 
it's really tough. If they don't win one in Philadelphia and go home with a chance to close out the series at home, and I don't know how much of an advantage it is for them playing it. And we've only seen one game there. And and if you don't think there's going to be a lot of Philadelphia fans in Arizona, like not, not to mention the fact that you, even if they do win one, I still don't see, like it's going to be could tough. win the gallon start, six. but then they, but then they throw Faft and Nelson. And it's like, yeah, there goes your home field advantage. Like, good job. Like, it, it's just, it doesn't like. No. I think it's they have to win both. They get like they have to win Gallon and Kelly's start, Gallon and and one of Gallon and Kelly's second starts, and then hope that you win a barn burner in one of those other three games where you throw those guys. Like that's your only hope. Whereas the Phillies, it's like, where is the let up on the mound? Where is the egg coming from? Sure, even if Wheeler gives an egg up, you know Nola's bringing it the next day. Oh, if Nola gives an egg up after Wheeler, you know, pitch, like you don't, know, you know, they're not stacking bad starts, right? No, you know, that's not just not happening. Them, for sure. Not all three of them, and even Taiwan Walker. It's like, sure, if he goes out there and gives you four innings and three earned runs, you're fired up because you know your offense has got a chance because they're looking across the field and seeing who they're towing up against, and it's probably a bullpen staff day, and and it's just they trust themselves. And again, I I, I think it's pretty clear where I'm heading with this prediction. And, and I'll give you a shot to, to give yours, but you know I think it's the Phillies, and and I I think it's going to be really convincing fashion. I really, I, I really do. I think it's going to be we're going to be all, everybody's going to be target fixated on that other series across the way, and in Texas that's going to be taking up the headlines. And I think the the Phillies very reminiscent of when the Nationals made their run for the World Series in 2019 because it's present in my mind right now. Is like they had that tight squeaker in, in the wild card game, and then it was just like, oh, we're rolling. Right. That that CS is usually the one where, where those World Series contenders really take care of business because DSs can be close. The Nats played that tight series with the Dodgers and then just throttled the Cardinals. And it was just like, mm, yeah, they weren't they weren't beating this team. The Phillies have too much momentum. They have too much talent. They the Diamondbacks are a huge story and it you know, I can understand why any baseball fans like, really, this is the best team we could get, the second best team in the NL. I, I get where you're coming from, but that's the that's the circumstances of the playoff format we've created. Well, and I think the sec I think the two best teams in the NL I, I, I have a question for you that I'm gonna ask you after this. I just want to say I think the two best teams in the NL just played in the National League Division series and the Phillies won. Yeah. I, I, that's why I said this feels like and maybe I shouldn't have said this feels like the World Series because these two teams in the AL could both win the World Series. There's no doubt in my mind. But again, even if the Dodgers had beaten the Diamondbacks, I would think kind, I'd kind of feel the same exact way about either the Phillies or the Braves against the Dodgers. Like, And, and yeah. now that it is the Phillies, same thing. I'd be sitting here going, wow, Kershaw's not the same Kershaw and Bobby Miller has no playoff experience. And then it's Lance Lynn. And then who yeah. in game four against these this Phillies pitching staff and offense that is just, again, the Phillies – Dave Dombrowski built this roster for this time of year. He has those three guys at the front. They have a fourth guy that they paid a bunch of money to in Taiwan Walker to at least get you through the lineup at least one time, you would imagine, game four and keep your team in the game. And then he's going to have a bunch of fireballers coming out of the pen with an offense that doesn't let you breathe. So, yeah, like people can complain that this isn't the two best in the NL, but the two best just got them playing, and the Phillies won the series. Um, do you think Troy Lovello them. brings Gallon back on three days rest in game four? Because I do. And then you piece together, you know, and I even think you, you bring, if you're in game five, you bring Merrill Kelly back on, on three days rest and, and try and figure Probably, out. Probably, yeah. Kind of have to, right? Because if, if, I'm just if thinking you're if, down if you're, two, oh, two, one, three, one, three out. Yeah, if yeah. you're short leashing Brandon Fott, you're going to short leash Ryan Nelson. And back-to-back days where your bullpen is getting overextended, 
Yeah. That just doesn't feel like a good recipe, does it? No. Not at all. I have What's the, your prediction here? I have the Phillies winning the series in five or six. Yeah, see, I didn't give a game. I don't that's fine. I don't know. I don't really know that's what fine. I I think that's fair. It's I think hard. It's, I don't I, it kind of confuses me when people give games with stuff like that. It's it's just a a guess. Um but let's head over to the American League series. But first, let's thank our friends over at Routine Baseball for sponsoring our podcast here. Routine Baseball offers authentic baseball apparel such as t-shirts, shorts, hoodies, and hats. Their products make the perfect gift for any baseball fan. Routine Baseball wants to give our listeners 10% off their order. Just head over to routine.com slash backside ground ball to receive that 10% off. That's routine base or routine.com. Second time I messed up an ad read routine.com slash backside ground ball to receive 10% off your order. Man, I'd probably go on like 45 to 50 straight episodes without messing up an ad read. And yeah. I just botched two in the last hour or in the last 15 minutes. Whew. Um, but let's head down to, to the great state, the great big state of Texas down there where they're going to be playing some good baseball this week. Uh, a lot of important games going on. We have game one underway, one nothing Texas, bottom of the second. Uh, Justin Verlander's gotten out of – he pulled his best Blake Snell impersonation, got out of a nice little jam there, had uh, Marcus Simeon off, off, uh, off balance, threw his hands on an off-speed pitch, flew out. Um, and because you said it twice, I wasn't going to say anything because we haven't gotten there yet. I haven't thought Justin Verlander's stuff look, has looked good at all through the playoffs. Like I, no, I don't yeah. – he has not had that had that put away, you know, one, two, one or two pitches. Like it, his at-bats are running long. It doesn't – it seems choppy. So – no, I'm not surprised that he's struggling a little bit and doesn't look crisp and he's only throwing 93 miles per hour because, quite frankly, I don't think he's had his A stuff this whole postseason. Yeah, and I just think that Justin Verlander, like you don't have that put-away stuff when the difference between your fastball and slider is five miles an hour, not nine. Yeah, definitely. You can, you, so, you can ride the front side a little easier when you know you're not getting blown away with 96, 97. But he did a really good job getting out of jams and get pitching out of some traffic in the DS. And he's doing a really good job pitching through some traffic right now as Jordan Montgomery just Surely. rolls a double. Oh, oh I, I got ahead of myself Good play there. by Seager. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, very good play by Seager. Um, so what's kind of our, our initial thoughts with the Houston Astros? What are, what are your X factors um, when you look at it? Man, I don't. Marcus Simeon and the Rangers offense. When you get the Astros on the ropes, like we saw in the second inning of Game One here already, it's like it, you have to like with Marcus Simeon Astros at the middle team, of it. Yeah, like like you have to like one. They need Simeon. Simeon's hitting a buck sixty so far through the postseason. He's not the guy that we've seen during the course of the year. He's not the guy that the MVP candidate Marcus Simeon, the guy that we know has that capability yet. And they need him to like, get that party started because Seager's been unbelievable. And if Simeon gets hot, those two at the top of that lineup are, are going to be a problem for – I don't care who's on the mound for, for Houston. It doesn't matter. Um, I know they have great starting pitching, but when those two guys are rolling, that lineup just becomes unbelievable. I mean, Evan Carter's hitting fifth. He's hitting a billion. Josh Young's hitting a billion, hitting eighth. And it's like if, Simeon, if they get anything out of Simeon, I think it's huge. And then again, this Astros team is too good and too experienced. Like when you – when you get them on the ropes, you better knock them out. 
You better not like it's yeah. cute. Yeah, look, we loaded the bases against Verlander and and we we ran his pitch count up and then you only get one run. Yeah, you blink oh, on Alvarez six swing and, and this six in the done. third and it's one nothing still. That's it's the Justin Verlander experience, and I'm gonna take a dig real quick. The fact that Kyle Tucker hits fifth in this lineup is just weird to me. Behind Jose Abreu, maybe because it's a lefty on the mound, but like I think Kyle Tucker should be getting in at bat in the first I inning. I think it's because of the lefty. Sure, but Jose Abreu also. I know he had a good DS, but like, come on, Dusty, trust in your vets. Guarantee Martin Maldonado's in the in the game right now too. Oh, 100 percent. He is gonna yeah. play every inning. Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander loves throwing to him. I'm surprised Chad well, well lefties on the mound. That's why Chaz McCormick's actually playing today. Um yeah, if it Brantley's wasn't, he would he, would he would definitely be on the bench Which, right now. But the, they just run Mauricio Dubon out in center every day, like he's like he's better than Chaz McCormick. Like even if there was a righty on the mound. And Dubon almost goes goes bridge, of course, as soon as I say that, but yeah, I, I don't know. Those yeah, are my doesn't factors. Make, doesn't make sense to me, but you're 100% accurate in the fact that you have to kill the Astros when you have a chance. You have to. That's why they're here in their seventh straight American League championship series. They've had some tight ones. They've had some ones where it seemed like they were going to lose. They've had some CSs where it seemed like they're going to lose. We still see it every October. Oh, where where did the times go when the Yankee fans start posting home runs of of DJ LeMahieu hitting a homer in the top of the ninth, and then Araldis Chapman blowing the blowing the save? And and we've seen it time and time again. And it's because they didn't put them away when they needed to. The Astros need to be put away when the time comes. And the Rangers missed a great opportunity to do it. It's not going to be their last, um, but they, they're few and far between between this starting rotation and this bullpen. So I'm with you that that's a huge X factor. My X factor is the pitching. And while we've seen the Texas Rangers pitching be extremely valuable to them through every step of this playoffs, I still think that there is a question mark. And I just mean question mark because – while Jordan Montgomery is a great story, he is prone to getting hit. Nathan Eovaldi, while he's been a great playoff pitcher for his career, he is prone to laying an egg. Max Scherzer, what is the health status that we're getting out of him? He goes game three. What, what does he look like? Is he healthy? Does he look like the Max Scherzer that's competing for Cy Youngs and punching out 8, 9, 10, 11? What are we getting? What are we getting out of John Gray? John Gray got added to this roster as well. What does he bring to the table? Is he in a starting role, multi-inning role? What are we, what are we getting out of these guys? This is also a bullpen that struggled through the course of this year. They haven't been exposed. They haven't needed to be exposed yet. They handled their business against Baltimore. Aroldis Chapman, he has some demons down there in Minute Maid. Does the, do those creep up? So it really comes down to what are we getting out of the pitching? Because again, we've we've heard so much about you know Evaldi and Montgomery. They're great stories, but these are not your prototypical ace level, like just dominant starters that you you look for for playoff top of the rotation arms. You know, Wheeler and Nola are are definitely the the best two that are still left in the playoffs and. You know, it's just a, a, a slight drop off at that point in time in terms of just trust, trust in what have you done. And if those guys continue to be that ace level talent, I, I don't think there's even for a second that this isn't going to be a, a good chance for the Rangers to win this series. Yeah, I, I mean, 
I can I give you my prediction? Yeah, of course. I think the Rangers win this series. I really like this team. I've liked this team all year. I I like this this lineup. Um, and I think they have the capability of putting the Astros away when they get them on the ropes. I know we're talking during Game One, and they let Verlander off the the hook in the second inning, but. Like, yeah, you get off the hook, and now Corey Seager gets off the third. And then it's like – and then, again, like I said, it's just so deep. And Garver, who's had a couple huge swings so far in this postseason. Garcia had the huge swing against Baltimore. Evan Carter's been a mutant. Like, it just – it doesn't sleep that lineup, and I think they can get enough pitching. Now, it's going to hinge on Max Scherzer, like you said. If Max Scherzer comes back and he can be Max Scherzer – like that completely changes things because Montgomery's dealing right now. Like that's just he's got a hot hand, and and Ivaldi seems to be a playoff pitcher, and and I trust Bruce, Bruce Bochy to know how to deploy his bullpen. I said it early in the year when they were rolling. I said that I think that the the lack of bullpen effectiveness is going to be covered up by Bruce Bochy. And I think over the course of 162 games you can be exposed they blew a ton of saves this year but I think like this really when you look at it should have been a 100 win team but I think that in the playoffs when you can shorten that bullpen and you can deploy it a little differently I think Bruce Bochy is a master of doing that yeah I, I, I'm with you there I, I completely think there is a ton of value in in what Bruce Bochy and, and his pulse and again you know, your, your team is going to take on the personality of its leader. And this is a guy who's been there. He, he knows how to win. Um, and it, it'll be interesting to see how this thing unfolds. As sad as it is, I mean, I went one for four in the DSs. So it's not like I'm a, I'm a prediction machine out here. Um, but we're going to, we're going to go chalk here across the board with each other. And, and I'm, I'm picking them too. Um, I like the momentum that they're coming with. I like the team. I, as I said to somebody, I'm I'm sick and tired of watching the the Houston Astros play very important ball games in in late October, early November, and I just think that this is the year that somebody else steps up. I just it's very to, and to be honest with you, I'm playing historical trends as well because I look at a rematch in the World Series, and when's the last time we saw a rematch back to back years? Has it happened in our lifetime? I, I need. I don't think so. I need someone from stats to get on it. Where's Phoebe? I don't know. I wish I could tell you. Do you want me to? Here, keep talking. I'll, I'll research it. This is bad podcasting. No, I mean, I don't like. It's just like you just know one. Like it just the history. History tells us that teams can get back to the American League series or the championship series and get there. And I, I just think if there's either teams going to lose here, I just think it. It's the Astros. And again, maybe we're shortchanging the Diamondbacks and the lovable young guys and, and their pitching staff, but I just I just have a hard time imagining that that they're gonna end up winning this. Here you go. Yankees uh Dodgers in nineteen seventy seven, seventy-eight. Yeah, the last time we had back to back same World Series. And that was again, what was the format then? Uh, I think that was I think that was the top two teams you went to the, each to side. The league, it, no, no, that was winner of the East, winner of the West, went to the league championships. There was two divisions in each league, I think. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. So you had to go two, two rounds of playoffs. Yeah, so two on each, like right into the Four championship. Four teams total. So yeah. you have to win one playoff series to do that. 
So you have to be the best team. So you build the best roster and then you have to win one playoff series. We're in an environment where it's like, if you can get through all of these rounds and all these comparable talents and and stay right and stay healthy and, and all the things that come into that credit you, it's just, it's very hard to do. And I think the Texas Rangers have the best shot to buck that trend. And so I'm going to take them to, to, you know, win this series. And, and I, I swallow a little bit because after that se- that second inning, I'd love to see more a crooked number up on the board right now. Because guess who's settling in? And again, you're going to blink, and he's going to go yeah, six, and he's going to give up one uh-huh. run, and and he's going to punch out today three. But you know, it's just going to be Justin Verlander as usual. So yeah, I mean, that's that's all I got from that series. It'll be interesting to see how it's unfolded. It's weird to be sitting here watching it and and giving your opinion on it as we as we it watch. Is. You want to swing everything that happens. <laughs> Wait, yeah. no, the yeah, Astros. You're... Verlander's going to settle in and go six. Framber goes tomorrow. The series is over. <laughs> yeah. You you really ride the emotional roller coaster. Uh-huh. Who's uh, who's the player you're most excited to watch uh, over these next couple weeks? And, and and then we'll get out of here. Corey Seager. Yeah. Well, he's unbelievable, me too. man. He's so good. I mean, he Jordan, so but like, I'm, like I'm over the Astros. He's a 692 so OBP. Yeah, he's, in the he's, playoffs. He, has, he has nine walks in five games, or more than that now. Or he had nine walks in three games against walks. the Orioles. He's eleven oh, walks. He had in total. five walks. Right. He had five walks in one game. He has eleven Not, walks. He had nine over seven that. hits. Yeah, he had nine walks in that series against the Orioles. Three games. He was averaging yeah three walks a game. Yeah, Jordan will be fun. Um, I'm excited to see. Like I said, I'm excited to see Max again. I think if yeah, I think it'd be really cool to get a a Max Scherzer just historic performance agree like you an know, eight inning yeah seven eight yeah, innings just, just like okay, leaving, in a couple leaving it all out there yep like he always does mouth breathing pacing yeah. you know yeah. popping Sweating the ball profusely. up out of his glove yeah, yeah like <laughs> like he always does yeah, yeah that would be that would be really cool and, and a guy that quite frankly i mean he deserves it right he like does. i love he does i love when legends get their due Right. And like he has his ring and, you know, I think it, it hits a little bit more at home because of obviously what we saw with Kershaw um, unfold last yeah. week in the playoff history. And, and then even the fact that he gets cheated out of, you know, 2020 World Series that people are always going to say wasn't, wasn't real. World and, Series. Yeah, exactly. It's just like he um, – like it, not every year I get super excited to be like, oh, maybe this is the year Kershaw just dominates and then he – Lays an egg, and you're just like, man, you feel for that guy. We feel for that guy. Well, you just feel for that athlete because you know how hard it is to perform at that level. And and and, and I I mean, it's Clayton Kershaw who's first ballot, the best pitcher of our generation, lifetime. Yeah, like statistically speaking, the best regular regular season pitcher ever. So you really, really feel for that guy. Like you said, like you just want – like I do too. I root for him. Oh, man, the Matt Adams homer still to this day just feels like a knife through my heart. and I'm not a Dodgers fan. Yeah, because it's like – and because you – cruising in that game against the Cardinals. And I think the other thing is is we as athletes and coaches that care about – 
like when you start to put a the person behind it, like you know how much he feels that, and like mm. you've been in the dugout after a guy lays an egg and just see like the just despair the on their face yeah. and and the emptiness, and like while they are professional athletes and they are paid to do it at a high level, that doesn't change the fact that this is still a human being that goes in the at home looks in the mirror and you know, values himself based not off the the net worth in his bank account, the beautiful house and beautiful family that he has, but more based off the fact that he feels like he let his, his group of buddies and, and his teammates down. And it's like that always, it will always get me. Like, I'm like, man, that I feel for that guy. But any closing thoughts before we get out of here? And, and this is obviously a quick episode and I'm sure we'll have a ton of thoughts when we get back on here, uh, middle of the week this week. No, enjoy it. It's, I mean, it's going to be – I think these series are both going to be extremely exciting and fun. I know we're not giving the Diamondbacks much of a chance, but that doesn't mean these series aren't going to be tight. Like, I think – like, this time of year, there aren't really, like, any – that team shouldn't have been here. I don't yeah. think. I don't think so, but some do play bad baseball. Maybe the Yankees last um, year in the ALCS. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That was a joke, Yankees fans. That was a joke. That was a joke. That was a joke. (laughs) Thank you to our listeners for tuning in as that will conclude our episode for today. Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast on all podcast platforms, including Apple Pods, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcast. We post episodes twice weekly through the playoffs, always hitting your feet at 7 a.m. sharp. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at BacksideGB. Instagram at Backside Ground Balls and TikTok at Backside Ground Ball. Most importantly, make sure you're sharing with five friends. And Dan, I'll leave our listeners with this. I saw the strikeout stat pop up on the bottom left of my feed, and I could already hear John Smoltz complaining and talking about how great of a lineup it is because they don't strike out while we've seen home runs win in the playoffs. And there'll still always be old baseball fans that don't want to accept reality. And we'll see you next time on the Backside Ground Balls podcast.